Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common. Go head to head to see which one does it better. And welcome to part two of this week's Fish Fight. So on Monday's episode, we got wet and wild with Kevin Costner in Waterworld. And today, it's time to go on a deep dive, quite literally with Jason Momoa, as he proves there's a place for you and me under the sea as long as you're prepared to fight your half-brother using a trident. Is there a better way to settle a family dispute? It's the story of the little superhero who could, as today's film defied expectations, to become the biggest movie ever with a DC hero from 2018. It's Aquaman. So which movie will emerge as champion this week? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Hello, Clash Potters. Where I come from, the sea carries our tears away. I'm Alex Zane. (laughs) I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. So very quickly, don't forget you can follow us on Twitter at ClashPod for all sorts of extras about each episode. That's that bit done. Um, Also, do take the time to rate and review us on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It is hugely, hugely appreciated. Once again, Victoria and I are back in the studio. Chris Tilly, a.k.a. Chris Thrilly, is recording remotely. How are you, Chris? I'm good, Alex. I've put on some trousers now. (laughs) Excellent. Monday's episode was a real eye-opener. So, it's part two of Victoria's Choices, Waterworld versus Aquaman. V, reminders of the connection. Fishmen. And also having thought about it a little bit since hair. Hair is really important in both of these films as a motif. It is. Mm -hmm. Would you like to elaborate? (laughs) Um, Kevin Costner cuts off G Triple Horn's hair in a brutal scene um, and... Jason Momoa's hair and Amber Heard's hair. Oh, that's hard with my accent. Amber Heard's hair. Her? Amber Heard's hair. <laughs> Amber Heard's hair. 
Um, really important parts of this film as they swish around, looking gorgeous constantly. Yeah, I've actually got a bit about hair. I'll come to it shortly. Um, but I think, you know, times are wasting. So I'll just, I'll kind of get straight into this, if that's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Chris wet himself on Monday. And today <laughs> I'm going to see if I can give Aquaman a big aquatic. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. I'll leave that one there for you. <laughs> Breathe that in. Oh, oh, that's good. All right, then. Here is the synopsis <clears throat> for Aquaman. So, uh, DCEU timeline fans, the events here happen after the events of Justice League, although you already knew that. Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman, is keeping the ocean safe. But turns out his brother Patrick Wilson is ready to go to war with the surface world because of pollution. This would be bad. So Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe conspire to put a reluctant Arthur on the throne. But he can't beat Patrick Wilson in a fight, so he must go questing instead to the deserter kingdom with a scroll to eventually find the lost trident of King Atlan, which will make him Ocean Master and unite the Seven Kingdoms. He does this all in order and wins the game. And for anyone who thought that was a little exposition heavy, you clearly haven't watched Aquaman. <laughs> for your consideration... Ladies and gentlemen, Aquaman. The only way to stop this war is for you to take your rightful place as king. Trust me, I am no king. You do your best thinking when you're not thinking at all. That was the worst pet talk ever. I want to strap in. Welcome home. My brother has come from the surface to challenge me for the throne. I call it an ass-whooping. I'm no leader. I came because I have no choice. I came to save my home and the people that I love. You think you're unworthy to lead because you're of two different worlds? That is exactly why you are worthy. That was awesome. The war is coming to the surface. And I'm bringing the wrath of the seven seas with me. We're here. What are you doing? Hey, Shouldn't have a parachute. Redheads, you gotta love them. <laughs> First experiences of this film, Christopher. Yeah, I had to cover this a lot back in my days working at IGN and then at Fandom. The superhero movies were bread and butter, so every little more sort of information about this one I had to cover. And then um, I went to the premiere of this one. That's where I first watched it. Um, the premiere, which was in London's Leicester Square, which was hosted by Alex Zane. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I got a bit pissed beforehand. 
and it gave me a bit of a headache. I remember the second half of it. And then through lockdown, I've been teetotal, but I decided to have a drink at the weekend because my brother visited. And then I decided to watch Aquaman for the second time a bit pissed. So um, this morning before we recorded, I watched the second half for a third time just so I have some memory of what actually happened. What was your first drink to break your dry spell? Can I guess? Yeah, go on. Pims. <laughs> oh, okay. What was it? Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you not, were you there? Why were you drinking with Alex and not with me? Oh, fine. Pims. I was drinking Pims with my brother's wife because my brother was driving. And it was a lovely day, but it was. it made Aquaman very confusing. It must have been a lot of Pims because this isn't a confusing movie in any way, shape or form. <laughs> this is fundamentally one of the most easy to understand linear movies I've ever watched. So I know, I w- how much Pims did you have? I wholeheartedly disagree, but we can discuss that as we as we go through it. Okay. But it was useful. I watched also on, on Sky, they had an Aquaman special, which was narrated by Alex Zane. Hello. And I watched, I watched that as that was particularly useful as well to sort of uh, a reminder. Uh, yes, uh, I don't. I don't know that I've ever watched that special, but um, <laughs> I, I will confirm or deny uh, anything you've pulled from it today. Victoria, <laughs> what's your experience of Aquaman? Was this the first viewing? It was. It passed me by. I'm afraid. Okay. And then I was going to watch it, and then I saw how long it was. I thought, no, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, now I've had to. So. That's something I've done. It's a, this has been a long week. What a world. Yeah. The version I saw clocked in at two hours fifteen, and this is what two hours twenty five. Yeah, it's yeah. I've, I think we should apologise because we did four. We did four ninety minute films in a row. The last four films have all been ninety minutes, mm. and then this week, two well over two hour movies. Yeah. Um. Well, my experience from the film. Um. I don't know if you know, I hosted the world premiere of this in <laughs> London's Leicester Square on the 26th of November, 2018. There was a pissed guy in the audience. <laughs> Very annoying. Um, but I saw it in advance screening of it beforehand, so I'd seen it. I enjoyed it. Um, the premiere was good. Everyone was there because it was the big world premiere. Jason Momoa was there. Amber Heard was there. Uh, Patrick Wilson was there. lot of strange like outfits I, like there clearly hadn't been an agreement among the cast that we were going to all do the same outfit so i just remember thinking this is this is quite strange uh, patrick wilson was in a beige corduroy double-breasted suit okay uh, dolph lundgren was there he was uh black trousers uh, black shirt sky blue sports jacket mm, nice um, Jason Momoa, uh, T-shirt and leather jacket. Shame about the T-shirt. Take it off. Uh, Amber Heard uh, came dressed as a character from the film. Did she? I think. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> so I'm not even being like intentionally like disruptive, but I'm showing you a photo right now. It's 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 what is that? Wow. I mean, I'm not saying it's bad, but it's 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 an outfit I've never seen before. It's yeah. a kind. Of, she's wearing a swimming cap. She's wearing a swimming cap. Fine, okay. Yeah, she is. She looks like a synchronized, a beautiful synchronized swimmer. Yeah, she, she does. Yeah. She does. It's all sparkly, Chris. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the photo. So, um, yeah, it was, um, <laughs> it was a good premiere. Now, Chris, do you remember the bit? There's a good story about this premiere 
Do you remember the bit where Jason Momoa came on stage? Were you, were you compassmentous enough at that point? I do. Can I just say for the record, I wasn't being completely unprofessional. It was because I was invited to a drink with the director, James Wan, beforehand, and they kept plying us hey, with these... opportunity <laughs> for a name drop. These... Just, um, you got pissed, you threw stuff at the screen. These aqua... They gave us all these sort of aqua-themed cocktails. Drinks. So it wasn't like I was just sitting in the pub on my own getting pissed before a premiere. It, like was, it was work. I remember him coming out and being a bit wild and sort of shouting stuff out. Yeah, um, he did come out and he was like, I remember him on the red carpet. He's a, he's a huge man and he smells great. And I know because <laughs> he walked onto the carpet and gave me this big bear hug in his big leather jacket. He was all leathery and big and hairy and I loved it. <laughs> but he came out on stage and I don't know if you remember, he was handed King Atlan's trident um, yeah. or at least something that looked like King Atlan's trident. Because yeah, it's not real. Right, no, right. no, the movie isn't a documentary. No. Yeah. And he walks out with it and he's like, <laughs> Jason Momoa, doing my thing, my man. And he got the trident and he smashed it over his knee into two yeah. and held up both halves. I watched a man nearly cry because where I don't <laughs> think Jason Momoa knew, but there was one person's job at the entire premiere from Warner Brothers was to look after the actual prop trident from the movie Aquaman. The genuine trident. And his job was to make sure no bad thing happens to the trident. Expensive prop, one of a kind. And he handed it to Jason Momoa and Jason Momoa snapped, snapped it. Snapped it like a fucking matchstick. Over his knee. And as he was walking off, he handed the two bits to the guy and the guy just looked broken. Like, well, I lost my job. Frankly, I hope that bloke lost his job. He didn't do. He didn't do what he was paid to do. Uh, you had one job. And <laughs> um, I think let's get this um, out there very early. I do think it is quite amazing. Oh, when we're talking about this movie, I mentioned it earlier. This is Aquaman. We're talking about. This is the, the superhero who was the butt of so many jokes for so long. Everything from Robot Chicken to Family Guy to The Big Bang Theory to even DC's own comment uh, comics would poke fun at Aquaman because of his narrow powers and, you know, he talks to fish. Mm -hmm. It became such a joke that it became hack to actually do jokes about Aquaman being a rubbish superhero. So he's from the same stable as Batman and Superman, and yet he is the character that has gone on to enter the billion-dollar club and be the highest-grossing DC hero in history. That's kind of amazing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I had no idea until we were doing these films. I thought it was a massive, massive flop because that's what you just think. That's the same thing with Waterworld, that you just assumed it was a money pit, and mm. that was it. It currently is the 23rd highest-grossing movie in history. Uh, the next DC hero is Batman mm. and The Dark Knight Rises at number 30. And to find Superman, you've got to go all the way down to the 71st highest grossing movie, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. So let's get into a little bit of backstory. Not too much, really. It's um, It's got a few taglines. And I know you're, you're a fan of me reading out taglines, Victoria. Um, wait for the third one. Uh, don't go too early. Uh, home is calling. Ah. A tide is coming. Okay. Uh, but the icing on the proverbial aqua cake, he's not from around here. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do. <laughs> I like that one. He's not from around here. Uh, so it's directed by James Wan. The story takes place, as I said, after the events of the much maligned Justice League. Uh, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. It, it's coming. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to that. I hope they release it as a movie, though, as opposed to like the four 
one hour long series on HBO Max. Chris, are you interested in the, the Snyder Cut? Do you have a, a fascination with that story? No, not at all, because it doesn't exist. Like, it's not a thing. Like, they're making up as they go along. I know way too much about this, Alex. Don't get me started. But no, I think it's a load of bollocks. Is that because you think that they've created the idea of a Snyder Cut and now they're actually making one from bits and pieces of footage? <laughs> uh, exactly. He, he handed in, like, the footage that he was doing. It was not good. I have this on good authority. And the studio got basically decided to go in a completely different direction. And so they, they're going to take that footage, shoot some new footage and call it the Snyder Cut. But... Whatever he handed in was not good. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't have that information uh, on a personal note. I'm not sure if I've ever mentioned this on the show, but I, I was in Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead remake. So, you know, <laughs> and I know the footage on that was great, um, especially Just uh, your bit. Well, the third zombie from the front uh, mm. chasing Ving Rhames out of the shopping mall. The one with the limp. Is that but, where he told you to stop fucking doing the limp? You'll never see the limp because uh, I, I was told uh, in no, no uncertain terms, um, stop, stop limping. Stop don't, don't limp. Like, all right, Zach. All right. Uh, Okay, uh, James Wan, uh, we knew at this point, obviously, from uh, fantastic horror movies. uh, It was often called the modern uh, master of modern horror. uh, Created the Saw franchise uh, with Lee Whannell. Did Insidious, which I love, The Conjuring. Then he made his leap into blockbusters uh, with the highest grossing entries to the Fast and Furious series, Fast and Furious 7. So that's where he was uh, when he got involved with Waterworld. I believe he was given um, Aquaman. I believe he was given the choice of uh, the Flash movie or uh, Aquaman, and he decided to do Aquaman. Uh, there were two scripts that Warner Brothers uh, decided to commission simultaneously from different writers, which I think is becoming more commonplace. Have you heard about this, Victoria? Mm, it doesn't surprise me. Right. To make it more, just make it even more brutal. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Thankless. Can you imagine that, though? Like writing in a room, knowing that someone else is writing the same movie in another room. Yeah, and I think because writers have got such balanced personalities <laughs> and are very generous of spirit anyway, mostly, they will probably just find that sort of competition um, a big motivator. It was um, Will Beale was one of the writers. He'd written Gangster Squad and Kurt uh, Johnstead uh, had written 300. Rise of an Empire was uh, also writing. It sounds to me, although they brought on another writer uh, towards the end, uh, it sounds like Will Beale's script ran one through, but it was a guy called David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick who um, was brought in to sort of finish off um, the script. Uh, he'd worked with... Um, James Wan on The Conjuring 2. He'd co-written that screenplay. He'd written Orphan, which we've talked about on the show before, Red Riding Hood, Wrath of the Titans, and he'd done a lot of writing on The Walking Dead. So it was his script and James Wan directing, who cited as his influences in making this movie, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Romancing the Stone, which I think we'll come to when we're talking about it in terms of Amber Heard and Jason Momoa and that. That comedy romantic sparring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the palpable spark. <laughs> yeah, that to and fro. <laughs> uh, I got a Banter. Funny... Yeah. They call it bants with a Z. <laughs> got... hey, what's he going to say? Oh, he's got a line. Then she's got she's coming back. She's got... And then he's got his line. They, they Effortless. Definitely Effortless. Gonna, they're going to make out. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Beyond that, I mean, I did a little bit of digging. I'm not a huge comic book fan, so, you know, he is a character that first appeared uh, in More Fun Comics 73. Uh, he was created in November 1941. He was always going to be a background character in the DC Universe, but then he became one of the founding members of the Justice League. 
none of that, I think, explains why this movie became such a hit. There are a couple of reasons. I think Jason Momoa is a huge draw. Mm -hmm. And I think when Chris just said, he sort of came out and he's wild. He's got this crazy energy about him. So even if you go, he's not the best actor, there's something about him. You know that kind of, I I hate to use the cliche, X factor. Mm -hmm. But what did you think of him in this? I think he's brilliant. Um, yeah, it's it's a, but it's a mystery. I I can't articulate it because I don't understand why this film is massive, especially given how long it is. <laughs> if it was like quick in and out, ninety minutes, he's got tons of charisma. He gets some good lines. He looks amazing. Fun CGI is all fun stuff. Ninety minutes done. That would it would make perfect sense. But there is something about him that keeps people engaged for two and a half hours. <laughs> And keeps them coming back, and that it mystifies. I'm not saying it's a mystery to me because I really enjoyed it. It's not like oh, I hated this and everyone else loves it. What's going on? But I can't, um, I can't pick apart why it works. I think there is a huge fan base for him. It's it's weird because he was in one season of Game of Thrones yeah. as Carl Drogo, <laughs> yeah. one season, and yet you still cite him as one of the most memorable characters in the whole series. Like, yeah, he had such an impact on that first series, and his shadow yeah. loomed large over the the other. Nine series or whatever. Yeah, I saw it. I mean, that's where I first saw him as Game of Thrones, and it was um, he's some, one of the best things in it. He is. Um, Zack Snyder is who James Wan obviously credits with casting him because Zack Snyder was the one who went. Jason Momoa is going to be Aquaman, and he says, "You know what? If uh, I put Jason in this, no one's ever going to make fun of Aquaman ever again," <laughs> which I think is kind of true. Uh, the other big reason. A lot of Aquaman's money, this over a billion dollars it made, came from China, uh, where it was an absolutely massive hit. Um, And I think the thinking there is that there's two reasons that the Chinese love uh, Chinese audiences love fantasy. And this was really heavily marketed, less like a superhero, more a fantasy Mm -hmm. adventure. And I watched the trailer for this. I can't claim to have seen the movie, but. It almost like has the same color palette and looks identical to uh, the fourth biggest Chinese movie in history, which is called The Mermaid, about a mermaid assassin. Cool. Right? <laughs> that sounds brilliant. <laughs> Take note, Hollywood. So, uh, with that in mind, shall we go through the movie? Let's do it. All right. Uh, so we start in 1985, uh, where lighthouse keeper Tamura Morrison um just busy minding his business in his lighthouse uh, when a cast member from Starlight Express (laughs) washes up. (laughs) I love the fact that he's like, should we have a cup of tea? She's like, yeah. That just fixes everything. He's not like, sorry, what's going on here? What are you wearing, P.S.? Just like, brew? Yeah. Love the show. Uh, (laughs) Big fan. Um, Yeah, it's because he's a wholesome guy who makes tea for people who wash up on rocks. Yeah. Yeah, doesn't need to check them for injuries, just carries them inside. Yep. Puts next to his dog. And uh, yeah, and there he is. There he is um, getting on with Nicole Kidman, um, uttering some really questionable lines. I do like the fact that uh, there's a close-up of the Dunwich Horror, the H.P. Lovecraft book. Yeah, I saw that. Because I think uh, James Wan... He's got quite an interesting answer to why that's there because he says he he can't not acknowledge the influence of H.P. Lovecraft on this film uh, with the look, especially when you get to the trench monsters. But he said uh, in a tweet, um, I wrestled with this. How much was I willing to lean into this talented xenophobe? 
I realised I couldn't make an Aquaman movie without acknowledging his influence on me, so I decided, fuck it. I'm going to own it and have one of my characters quote his work, which one? Black Manta. So that was how he owned that. And, of course, uh, from The Call of Cthulhu, Black Manta does say the brilliant line, loathsomeness waits and dreams in the deep and decay spreads over the tottering cities of men. So that's why we get the Dunwich Horror for anyone going, why why close up on that book? So things don't really work out uh, for uh, Tamura Morrison and uh, Nicole Kidman because um, the Atlanteans turn up and go, fucking nuts. <laughs> I've got their special armour and their special guns and thank God they turn up because until that point, uh, we get lines like, where I come from, the sea carries our tears away to which Tamara Morrison goes not here <laughs> you feel them mansplaining he's mansplaining tears they have their baby and she's like I have to go because the Atlanteans have, whatever they want me to go back so if I was him I'd be like you're going to take the baby though like <laughs> You're not seriously leaving me here to raise a baby by myself. It's just like, yeah, I can't take him. It's to protect him. And then he's never even like, okay, no, that's fine. Um, are we going to see other people though? Because you're not saying, you're like, I'll be back at sunrise one day. One day. Okay, that's fine. But as a single dad, obviously it's a difficult market for me out there now, but I'd like to get back out there. Do they have any... Uh... TVs that you could get back to me in Atlanta because you threw a trident through mine uh, as well. So yeah. we're down a TV. You've also put a fuckload of pressure on me. You've literally said this is the child that could unite our two worlds. Good luck on your own with them. Hi. Can it, how did you you guys feel about the de-aging technology in this opening scene? I, uh, it made me feel a bit uneasy, like queasy, actually, because of the way... It's, it's brilliant, but the way that their faces move is just very unsettling. Mm, yeah, creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, very well, I think... He, and, and also, have they, have they de-aged Nicole Kidman? They've obviously de-aged him. Did they do it on her or not? I, I think they did. A right. Bit. She doesn't need much. I mean, she looks amazing. She's so. flawless. Look mm. her. There's not a mark on her. Brand new. Yeah. <laughs> She's showroom ready. <laughs> that is an actual term. If you go into a, like anyone, any any surgeon or like or, any uh, surgeon, <laughs> any, any surgeon, and go, I'd like to be showroom ready. They're like, oh, I I do lungs. <laughs> Get my lungs showroom ready. Yep. Uh, uh, the action scene, though, is great. I think the bar has always been set for me with, like, an opening action scene is when you first see bullet time in the Matrix, mm-hmm. Trinity, and that's incredible. This is... Ne- nothing's ever going to come close, I don't think, but this is pretty good. I think it's a pretty good fight, the way the camera moves around the room. I liked it. Yeah. Chris, you're an action fan. What did you think? Yeah, it's very it's very effective. I feel like it's not that far off. I think a lot of this film isn't that far off his Fast and Furious film, the globe trotting, the, the style of the action, and the fact it is it is it is jaw dropping. I just find as it goes on and it gets more and more CG heavy, I find it less effective. I think it it works better when it's in a what looks like a real world setting than yeah. than underwater. Mm, I agree. True, and I, we'll, we'll we'll get on to just how much CG there is like later on because woof um. Then Nicole leaves, and if anyone's ever seen the Rob Schneider movie, The Animal, 
then you can never take her leaving seriously because she jumps off that pier like Rob Schneider doing the dolphin impression in The Animal. Back to back, if you watch those moments, (laughs) take the time, go on YouTube, it's in the trailer for The Animal, and then that jump that she does, is like... It's very, very dolphin-like. Then... We're up to speed where Arthur Curry's doing his thing. And uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, uh, who I'm going to be calling Yahya for the rest of the show, is uh, a pirate, uh, along with his dad. Uh, and they are pirates uh, with no sense of urgency, <laughs> which I think is quite amazing uh, for pirates because they board the submarine, the Russian submarine, and the Russian commander goes, you can be sure they heard the distress signal. And... Yaya's dad goes, uh, yeah, probably. But here's a long story about your grandfather and a knife. I'm, I'm going to tell. They definitely heard the signal. Shut up. Sit down. So this knife, son, uh, it's a good start once you're on the submarine. Jason Momoa smashing off the doorway, landing in the submarine. Permission to come aboard? <laughs> said coquettishly. He doesn't say coquettishly. I mean, so, no. you're, like, you're just looking over his shoulder, though, isn't he? Like, oh, hey. <laughs> I don't think you can deliver a line over your shoulder. But he's got such a, a gravelly voice. I mean, he can't really be a coquette, can he? He's got a gravel voice. Permission to come aboard. Perfect. <laughs> that was good. Uh, I like now it. Now you just need to really bulk up. And I then... like it. He's definitely in a he's definitely in a, a, a DC extended universe movie because he lands with his fists on the ground on one knee. <laughs> he's like, he's like I, I know how our heroes land. <laughs> I saw the handbook. <laughs> uh, and um, then uh, I guess if you weren't already won over by Jason Momoa Victoria, he delivers a line which I went, well now she loves him. <laughs> Well, when he says to the Russians, hurry up, I'm missing happy hour for this. <laughs> I was true. like, oh, wherever Vicky is right now, she is happy. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh so, yeah, he makes a mortal enemy in Black Manta, who isn't Black Manta at this point. Uh, he's Dave. Because um, <laughs> uh, his father's last words to him is, you need to leave so you can kill that son of a bitch. Uh, which, weirdly, were uh, my father's last words to me. <laughs> he's not dead. Uh, before I left the house this morning, <laughs> that's what he said. You need to leave so you Alex. can kill that son of a bitch. Just... Alex. <laughs> so unnecessary. <laughs> Very funny. What? I wasn't expecting you to say that. That's all. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, so, um, my first big question is how? And you know, I'm, I'm not great with feet. I wasn't great with the feet in the the, the webbing of the feet mm. in Waterworld, and in this, uh, when Arthur Curry returns home to his dad and jumps on the dock, it's clear that he's been swimming around in in work boots. How? How? What's What's the state of the skin on his feet? Trench foot. Right. Yeah, for sure. They are That's wrinkled. how you get it. They're dissolving. <clears throat> it's yeah. never really explained. Well, I mean, it, he looks cool, but functional. Yeah. Like, the, work, heavy work boots. But a lot of people swim in their shoes in this film, I've noticed, <laughs> which is really weird. So when we meet Amber Heard and she just jumps out of the sea and goes like, hi, here's your quest. <laughs> Rather than like, there could have been some fun, like she's spying on him or there's a bit of a meet cute, but she just goes, Psh, 
So listen. <laughs> but she's got boots on as well. She is a fish. Uh, do you know what's so upsetting about that scene? It's not even her exposition because she prefixes everything. She goes, Volko says. And it's like, where's Volko? It's like, Volko sent me because Volko yeah. is a plan. And Vol- it's like, this isn't even your own exposition. No. It's just so odd in I- a film that's two and a half hours long that they couldn't find the time to do a bit more setup. <laughs> just yeah. do just do a map. They should have done a five minute frigging prologue with narration, words on the screen, whatever. Get it out of the way because it's so clumsily dished out throughout this film. Yeah. Oh, um, um, in these grand storytelling speeches. But Alex, sorry, to go back to your point, I don't know what you want because in Waterworld you weren't happy with his bare feet mm. and now you aren't happy with this guy covering them up. What do you want? Alex wants the eradication of all feet <laughs> from all species as soon as possible. Have you ever heard me say anything bad about hooves? No. I'd like everyone to have hooves in every movie. <laughs> if, there is, if, if there is an editor out there who I can give a list of films that I rewatch frequently mm-hmm. and he just replace all feet with hooves, <laughs> then I'd be happy. That'd be that'd be the dream right there. I love a hoof. It's just like solid, like bone. It's great. A hair, actually, I think. Well, bony hair. So um, <laughs> I want to bring up something else that annoys me in this movie. Uh, Astons. A lot of Astons uh, that appear on the screen telling us where we are. Uh, yes. The writing that comes up. Uh, for a movie that prides itself on being about water, it doesn't really know much about the oceans because Astons come up frequently and go, somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean, somewhere in the North Sea. Yeah. But the minute they get on land, they're like, West Sahara Desert. <laughs> I also thought the worst one is like when they're like, the city of Atlantis. It's like, yeah, <laughs> we know. Uh, is, is that not because they're trying to keep the location of Atlantis vague? Because I think there's lots of contradictions as to where it is. And because also, didn't we set up, <laughs> didn't we set up in, the, in, in Justice League that he sort of lives and hangs out in some... Scandinavian town and then suddenly he's in an American town here and I just feel like they're trying to not sort of nail down any of these locations apart from the one in America Mm. yeah I mean it's fine when they say somewhere in the North Sea but I don't know anywhere in the North Sea that you can sit on your submarine as Yaya does with your t-shirt off and just sort of like hanging out the the North Sea is is famously cold cold place yeah It's, it's not I mean, it's a beautiful starry night. I've never seen. I've I've been to Hull and I've looked out over the North Sea, and I've yeah. never, I've never seen the stars like that. There are no stars in Hull. Right. So we now get to the bit where Amber Heard is like, "Come to Atlantis, please. Um, uh, get in my ship, uh, and we we start the uh, the the Karen Allen Harrison Ford." <laughs> <laughs> kind of Kathleen Turner, Michael Douglas uh, repartee. Yeah. Uh, there's something about chum and swamps. That kind of chemistry, mm. just lightning in a bottle. Like, oh, these these two. Yeah. <laughs> you see, I think it works. It's just, it sort of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, it's not... I like the energy that they have together. I think that the sparring really works. It's just so obviously crowbarred in and is completely unrelated to the plot most of the yeah. time i think you go on a journey with them because when they first start trying to spar like that back and forth it was like oh okay fine that's the way this is going to go no problem i guess but then by the end of the film she's playing a recorder and he doesn't immediately push her <laughs> off a boat <laughs> <laughs> so it must have worked but she even pauses like what the fuck if you what are you going to do yeah. she's playing the <laughs> 
and he rounds the corner and she looks like she's been caught. Yeah. She goes, oh, shit. Oh, I'd have thought you were passed out. And then, <laughs> and then he sort of goes, yeah, how you doing? You all right? It's yeah. like, that's your moment, Jason. But there's a bit where they're running away in Atlantis in her spaceship, underground spaceship, underwater ship, her submarine. Yeah. And they, uh, and he, it's like, again, it just doesn't fit with the characters. He goes, bogeys at six o'clock. And she goes, what, what does that mean? He goes, he goes, bad guys behind us. She goes, well, just say that then. And he's like, all right, bad guys behind us. And it's nice. But yeah. it just doesn't. Doesn't work. It's like there's no been no setup to the idea that bogeys at six o'clock is a a term that she wouldn't be familiar with. Yeah, and this, it asks more questions than it delivers in laughs. Yeah, but Atlantis uh, looks great. Uh, yes, if you like the movie Shark Tale, <laughs> which I do. <laughs> I love that film. <laughs> there's a lot for me here, and as I've said, The Little Mermaid, big tick. Um, Chris, Atlantis. Yeah, I like Finding Nemo, so there's a lot to like. Um, yeah, I mean, it's fine. It, it does feel like you're looking at a cartoon a little bit, doesn't it? And I feel I feel like a bit like it's so overstuffed with sea creatures that are just kind of... When my brain sees that much information, it can't really compute. <laughs> I switch yeah, off a little I bit. Mean. I think it's because it does look amazing, but it's hard to get a sense of scale because the build, we're not inside a building. So when Patrick Wilson and everyone are sort of floating around, they're not in our room. And so my human brain just can't latch on and get a sense of danger or perspective. So it just makes it seem too vast and too then non-threatening. It's kind of meant to, though. I think they said that the ILM, uh, who did the special effects, uh, created 600 square miles of cityscape. So in theory, that was the amount that was down there that they digitally created. Um I guess, yeah, yeah, I guess uh, it's a weird one because, you know, when you talk about Waterworld, you go, people were throwing up, jellyfish were attacking, like, the actors. And on this, your sort of backstory to the movie is ILM created some new software for hair. (laughs) (laughs) They had to animate every individual strand. And I understand why people use CGI, but if you're making a podcast about how movies were made, it's not as entertaining is when yeah. they use practical effects and crazy stuff happened. So um, we finally get to, to meet uh, Willem Dafoe proper, who I love. And I'm really, do you know what? I saw he was in this. Tamura Morrison is in this. I'm like, there's the reunion that should be being talked about. Speed to cruise control. <laughs> They're back together. <laughs> That's wonderful. But if Amber Heard was the warm-up for exhibition, uh, exposition, oh. Oh. <laughs> he's full on Basil. He is Sir Basil. We we get the main course here. Uh, <laughs> he is aided somewhat by uh, visuals, uh, which take us back to the history of Atlantis and something about power and some sort of robots that walk around uh, mm-hmm. that then get collapsed and he seals himself away forever. But there's a scroll and the desert kingdom, the kingdom of the deserters, I believe, which happens to be in a desert, which is, I hope, a great pun. And <laughs> they have to go there and, and thank God, because uh, we get away from Atlantis. So we do meet Patrick Wilson uh, before that, sorry, as a King Orem. I love Patrick Wilson. I do too. I think he's so good. I don't think this is great for him. Do you know why? I know why. Oh. Because he has to say in a serious way, I will be the ocean master. <laughs> I can't <laughs> even say it. 
The Ocean Master, that's not scary or powerful. That's a brand of seafood. It clearly is. <laughs> Call me Ocean Master. I won't because it's stupid. <laughs> I think and, and he's also he's forced to talk about families and kingdoms and pledges and blood and four kingdoms. And it, it becomes this really heavy, dense, dull family politics we're getting into. Um, it makes me th- it makes me think of the trade agreement nonsense in Phantom Menace. It's just stuff that superhero movies shouldn't be made of. You throw it away in a line about two brothers being split up. But to, to go into all this history layer upon layer of history is just it's it's not what i'm looking for in a you know action adventure movie yeah he's given some bad hands as well like when they have the fight in the ring of fire and he shoots up uh into front of the arena in front of the whole audience and i'm assuming it's an atlantean thing but he genuinely goes full galaxy quest and goes Like for real, I watched it three times because I was like, it's, "It's maybe it's a war cry," but he pops up and goes, <laughs> and I was like, "Ah, oh, man, oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah." But you do get the bit where the octopus plays the drums in that sequence, and that's really brilliant. <laughs> so that's his actual sidekick, Topo uh, or Topo, T O P O. I was like, an octopus playing drums. There's got to be more to that story, <laughs> and it's Aquaman's sidekick from the comics, and. Uh, James Wan included it after watching Mad Max Fury Road. And he was like, um, I saw a guy in that. They got away with a guy with a flaming guitar so I can have an octopus yeah. playing drums. No, there's no through line. <laughs> I love the octopus, but that should not be your reason for putting it in. If people didn't like the octopus and you went, but Fury Road. People remember go, that film? No. <laughs> it's an octopus playing drums. It's not the same. Uh, so... There's the fight and like there's the bit where the challenge and the fight and all that and um Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe are the worst conspirators in the world because they are literally just behind Patrick Wilson and they cannot stop throwing each other shifty glances. <laughs> when Arthur's like, I accept the challenge, he's like, fuck, he's accepted the challenge. This wasn't part of the plan, Volko. <laughs> and then um they have the fight. Did you uh, like the stats that come up on the big display? It took... This is preposterous to even say this. It took me out of the film. <laughs> like, for a film that is this much sensory information going on and it's this neon crazy dream, to have the stats like that, like the computer game stats, it was <laughs> it was too far for me. Uh, yeah, the uh, the stats read for King Orem, uh, prose, king of Atlantis, warrior, philosopher. Nice. For uh, Jason Momoa, it says pros, none. <laughs> Cons, surface dweller, half-breed, drunk. <laughs> I had to pause it to read that, but I did like that yeah. because ultimately you'd want to hang out with Jason Momoa. Of course you would. I identify myself as a king of Atlantis, so a warrior, a philosopher. <laughs> Fuck off. Where's the drunk guy? Hello. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, we, uh, we see them fight. It's all right. I, I don't like the eye lines from the audience. They're always looking down uh, into the arena, despite the fact that 90% of the fight takes place above them. So the eye lines are, aren't great there for uh, the, the crowd. Uh, and also, Willem Dafoe might have a great line in exposition, but what he doesn't do very well is, um, is make bets because he goes, this isn't a contest. It's an execution just as Aquaman nearly kills King Orem, like literally throws him into lava, and Willem Dafoe's just said that. It's like, don't don't give me any tips at the races. 
Right, uh, we'll be back with more Aquaman uh, quicker as well. Gosh, uh, after this break. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Welcome back. Uh, so... Uh, like it now they're on the plane. We're on Western Sahara. They're on a plane. It's a real set. It's a real set. It's unf- difficult now because now Amber Heard's hair, fuck, is a wig. And it's a very distracting wig, but it's also very luscious. And it's the right colour because of the Little Mermaid. Let me tell you what I thought was going to happen in this sequence. And then I was disappointed that it didn't. And it put me on a bit of a weird path. Okay. So they're on the plane. And Amber Heard does get as Mera, Mira. Um, some story which is good like for a female character when you think about Jean Triplehorn who gets fucking nothing apart from she's a barmaid um, so that's really good like some good character work <laughs> there but <laughs> I even forgot I forgot she was so a barmaid ridiculous. I was like oh yeah she's a barmaid yeah. um, so anyway Amber Heard is really keen to like get on with their quest which is involving being in the Sahara Desert so she opens the door of the plane and the pilot's like, what? You can't do that. You haven't got a parachute. And Jason, my mom was like, oh, they told me about redheads. Mm. And she jumps out. And I was like, oh my God, that's awesome. I thought because she's quite headstrong and she's used to swimming underwater and she's not very familiar with land and the rules of land, I honestly thought she was going to jump out and then forget that sand is denser than water and just splat onto the floor because and die. And that that would be the threat and that Jason Momoa would go and get her. Oh, and save her. Yeah. You didn't ultimately. think they were going to write out Amber Heard at that point because she do. jumped out of a plane. <laughs> I mean, that would be a sharp <laughs> left, but it would be kind of cool. But um, yeah, no. And then I thought he would be like, oh, shit. And then somehow you've got a saving in mid-air action sequence. And then when that didn't happen, I was you were thinking You were thinking about Point Break. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, that's what you wanted, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. But you know, Jason, Momoa, you, he didn't have a parachute either, and if he grabbed hold of her, there was suddenly a heavier object heading towards the Earth. Yeah, but then that's why when he went after her, I was like, oh, that's even more brilliant, because then you've got double They, they both jeopardy. die. No. <laughs> And then the film is <laughs> something else entirely. But it's about Volko. Let's see where we go. It's Volko's story. Uh, yeah. uh, a- Alex, as you are the only fan of the film Sahara, <laughs> did you like the Sahara sequence? I loved it. I loved it because I, lo- I love the fact that I'm going, I think that's real sand. <laughs> that's real sand they're walking through. These are actual sets that have been built. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Too much CGI, totally like... I, I'm not saying I have a way of how they'd have shot an underwater sequence without making it CGI, so I understand that. But too much CGI just robs a film of the one reason they are using CGI, which is spectacle. It like it it it's, it just you lose that sense when nothing's real, you don't care about anything. So, yeah. so are you saying you'd like to take the Aqua out of Aquaman? I'd like a movie called Man. <laughs> <laughs> I think a movie called Man set in a desert walking. I mean, if you, I'm thinking Hidalgo without the horse. Oh, I, the, I think Gus Van Sant did that elephant. Yeah, <laughs> yep, that's a, that's a better reference. I went for Hidalgo without the horse, which, granted, isn't. Oh uh, no, I did the wrong one. It was Jerry, wasn't it? Not not elephant. Elephant was where they shot up the school. Sorry. It's all right. I, 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 are you okay with that, V? Yeah, I, no one knows. It's right. fine. <laughs> so they uh, walk around the Sahara Desert. Uh, that's good. Uh, Lee Wanell uh, is the Pilot of the plane, fact fans. Oh right, yeah. Um, his uh, the co-creator of Saw James Wan's frequent collaborator, uh, the goat on the plane, is not famous but brilliant. Uh, it's got the perfect expression when they leap out. How they've made that goat go? The fuck? <laughs> if you've ever, I've, I've, I'm putting that up for an animal Oscar. It's the perfect expression. You watch it because it sort of looks around and goes, "Did they fucking just?" <laughs> They fucking just jump out of the plane. I mean, I just, I'm just standing here. Yeah, they out. That pilot, though, they've traumatised that pilot. He thinks two people are dead now. Yeah, but he seems he seems comfortable with it. He seems like again, <laughs> goat. What did you do? <laughs> uh, not me this time. Jumps out. Um, it's very Indiana Jones. This bit, isn't it? This bit, especially the log flume, sand flume. Sand flume, yep. The sand flume and the puzzle solving. Um, It's all very Indiana Jones, very good. I like this bit. I like the bit that they uh, they don't spend too long in the Western Sahara. Very quickly, they're uh, off to Sicily. Uh, Yeah, I was really pleased. She was like, we're going to Sicily. Brilliant. Mm. Can't wait. How'd they get to Sicily? Can't remember. It's, uh, it's, I want to say... Easy jet? (laughs) (laughs) I want to say a sea otter. <laughs> What's the answer? I think I don't. No, they don't. I don't explain it. They're just suddenly in oh. Sicily, and they were they were previously in a desert. These oh. water people. Yeah, but they can swim like super fast, and they were only they're in the they're in a desert. Oh right. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are correct. A, a famously big desert as well. Um, but there's that really weird shot where they sort of both just wade out of the water on a beach. It's quite. It's quite odd. Um, I, I've totally glossed over uh, the wonderful uh, Black Manta Depeche Mode montage where he's building oh, the yeah. suit. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Um, so I'm a bit of a pedant. I know that. But I don't, I'm worried. They've got this one glass bottle that shows them the way to go. Mm. And he precariously balances it on the statue of Romulus. And I was, I was nervous. You know, if that bottle smashes before you've looked through it, 
were in trouble. Yeah, I thought they would have got rid I was amazed they still had it because you want the scroll. And I'd be like, should we bring this bottle? What? No, it's just an empty bottle now. Get rid of it. And then you get all the way to Sicily. <laughs> oh, fuck. It's really important. The Sicily thing is good. I mean, that was the action sequence that I remember watching as a trailer beforehand. They released that whole rooftop chase. Yeah. And it is very impressive. It's a really impressive, brilliantly shot, edited. My only bugbear with it is... We've seen Vinnie Jones do it in X-Men last stand. <laughs> is Black Manta looks like... Do you watch Power Rangers? Are you actually asking me that? <laughs> a little bit. So you know the way... The that... old... Is it but still on? It's I... still on, yeah. Right. So Power Rangers, you know the way that it's... It's just the way that they move and it's uh, it's not dubbed. It's, you know, whatever. Um, but the way that the baddies just seem very... The costume just doesn't seem very scary. <laughs> um, and they move like this, don't they? They sort of like... That doesn't work on a podcast, for fuck's sake. I'm <laughs> Vicky's waving her arms <laughs> frantically. Anyway, it doesn't matter. He looked like a Power Rangers baddie, mm. and so I wasn't bothered. Vicky, Vicky, I have written down, bug-eyed manta looks like a cheap Power Ranger. Oh, thank you, Chris. And, 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 and I think it completely ruins that action scene. I think he looks ridiculous, yeah. and they just needed a redesign on that character. Yes. Well, I disagree. I thought, I mean, and this isn't... It's from the comics. It was a uh, it, like they've basically taken like his comic book outfit and put it in the movie. Uh, I only knew that from reading about it, but I like it. I like the oversized head thing. I think it's cool. He looks sort of such a ridiculous thing, but I can see why some people wouldn't. Uh, Vinnie Jones, as I said, Juggernaut, the running through walls thing I've seen done before yeah. in a superhero movie. Um, uh, I'm sure, Victoria, you liked the uh, death by wine scene. <coughs> I wrote down one for Vicky. Yeah, I knew, <laughs> I know, I've got a note because I knew. I thought we should uh, touch on it. It seems to cost her a lot of effort. Like, as an actor, I thought it was brilliant that Amber Heard like, just goes for it at this point. Like, she screams her head off. Mm. But you would think that the force with which she uses would, like, summon the whole ocean, but just, like, a few bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Spiky wine. <laughs> I've spiked your wine. Something along those lines. <laughs> Said that before. Uh, <laughs> officer. Um, <laughs> and then we're, we're on the ship uh, heading to the trench. I want to take a, a moment here. I just want to read some dialogue uh, from the movie. Because uh, after Amber Heard has been uh, surprised playing the flute, <laughs> <laughs> you caught me. I was just fluting. It's a recorder, it's actually. A recorder. It's, it's a recorder, worse. yeah. It's a, I can play the recorder better. <laughs> uh, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, rubbish. I can do that. So um, we've already had the Black Manta scene. The Black Manta scene is done. He's been defeated. There's a really good shot. Again, the best shot in that Black Manta scene is when he's crashing down the cliffs and they've clearly strapped a camera to something. It doesn't look like CGI. Yeah. It looks real. And yeah. I'm like, look, that one little bit is way better than all the CGI in that scene. Huh, enough about CGI. So that bit's done. We're moving on with the plot. We're moving forward. But there's a conversation between Jason Momoa and Amber Heard on the boat mm -hmm. sitting there, which is kind of... It's like this circular conversation that goes nowhere but occupies a large portion of the film. Jason says about Black Manta, he and his father were pirates and he blames me for his father's death. Amber Heard says, they picked a dangerous line of trade. It's not your fault. Jason Momoa says, that's not how it feels. 
It was up to me, and I let him die. I could have saved him, but I didn't. And now I made an enemy, and he could have hurt you, and that would have been my fault. <laughs> and she goes, well, he's behind us now. It's what lies ahead that should concern us. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Why don't we find out about where you're going? Or better still, why don't you just get there? Yeah, if you're going to non-apologise, just non-apologise. <laughs> um, and then we're into the trench monsters uh, that attack the boat. I so wanted to love this sequence because it's monsters at sea. And I, I don't know why I don't. Neither do I. <laughs> Sorry, I don't have anything to add. Do you not like the bit where he's got the flare and then they're in the sea? That's good. And they swarm, but they can't come any closer. Uh, once they get in the sea, I think it's great. Yeah. It's just... Yeah, that, 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 that bit looks like a comic book panel. Yeah. And it looked so impressive uh, in the IMAX as well. That was that was the moment, that was the big wow moment, I thought, in the whole film. Mm-hmm. But but you're right with the aliens. Uh, sorry, aliens. They just they reminded me of aliens. Um, with the trench creatures, it was a, yeah, it was a bit much. It was a bit. I don't know. As I say, there's so many points in this film where I feels like it's just getting a bit much. There's too much going on here. There's too many of these creatures, or it's or it's getting a bit repetitive. You know, and and the pe- the pacing is a bit off. Well, we mentioned this at the start, and you said you had something to add because you disagreed with me. For me, this is the most linear film in terms of its storytelling. Like, they are told, you need to go here, mm-hmm. and then they go there, and they complete a task, and then they go there, and then they complete a task, and then they go there, and then they complete a task, and then they complete the game. And you don't think that? I think when we get to that climactic battle, there's such a visual overload of characters. I don't really know who's doing what or why. I'm, I'm, I, I get a bit lost in this battle where there's more and more um, creatures getting involved. I'm not sure who I'm supposed to be supporting at any one time, and I just kind of lost interest in it. Well, we, the big battle at the end is just after we've rediscovered Nicole Kidman. Yay! I was so pleased to see her. Really mm. pleased. Yeah. I knew she was alive blatantly when they're like, oh, your mum went to the trenches. Bet yep. she didn't, sort of. Yeah. She's dressed. She's in disguise, though. She's, a, is she a, what? A fish monster. <laughs> I think it's because the trench monsters must sort of hang around there because she's she's disguised as a trench monster. Yeah. But there's never any explanation. No one ever goes, That's true. What are you wearing? Yeah, yeah Mum. <laughs> yeah. Why, why why didn't you ever come back? He actually says that to her. Why why didn't you ever come back? She should go, too busy down here just as a fish. Yeah, also, have you tried to raise a child? Really boring, <laughs> really hard work. So I've just I can't believe twenty years has passed. That's on me, but what I thought I'd do is I'd wait for Tamura to screw it up and then I'd sort of come back in at the 11th hour and yeah. go, let me fix you, yeah. Arthur. Idiot. I couldn't I couldn't come back because we look the same age and that's just <laughs> weird. <laughs> I think it's a shame in this scene where you, he's Jason Momoa is with the two women in his life and he's reunited with his mum and Amber Heard has proved her worth as like a battler, warrior. Like She's not useless. Um, and then they're like, we must help you face the forgotten the name of the monster the one that's voiced by julie andrews yeah and then they it's just this rule no we can't and his mum says it's much too dangerous fucking help him then if it's much too dangerous and then there's just this arbitrary thing of like you can only go through and i can't go through for some bullshit reason <laughs> and so he's like because right, of my gammy leg <laughs> bye <laughs> and the shot is just these two women on the beach like oh all right well, we'll just wait here it's even better than that though because i think she goes what could be he goes what could be greater than a king 
are you waiting for somebody to go, Queen? Queen. <laughs> and they go, and you can see through clenched teeth, they go, a hero. <laughs> it's like, no, no, not a queen. Like, should someone even guess that? And there'd be a little joke off the back of that. <laughs> like, but it's like, well, no, <laughs> not a queen. Uh, nice try, though. Yeah. Uh, good. Uh, maybe maybe in the sequel. But right now, it's me, <laughs> a king and a hero. Uh, and then we get Julie Andrews uh, turning up as a big keiju, uh, which is great. Uh, and then she erupts um, from the sea. At the end, in the big battle that Chris was talking about, I like that battle. Uh, I, I mean, I, I didn't care what happened no. uh, emotionally. I was, li- it was just, for want of a pun, it washed over me. But narwhals stabbing people with their big horns. <laughs> I'm never going to see that in real life. That was great. <laughs> and uh, then the shark that throws its rider off its back and then eats him. Yeah. I was like, sick. <laughs> that was good. So good. Um, and also, in my head, and this is just me, I decided that the uh, big cage that was voiced by Julie Andrews um, was, in fact, uh, Mary Poppins. Yes. I genuinely was like, I think after Mary Poppins and she floats off at the end, yeah. she becomes that thing and that's where she lies dormant mm-hmm. and then she'll transform into Mary Poppins when needed. Yeah. I don't know whether it was her or the studio or just some clever marketing that decided to have her voice that at the same time that Mary Poppins Returns was coming out, but um, it was a good idea. Because the movie beats Mary Poppins. I, I think a, a problem with this finale as well is that we haven't really got a villain that we hate or want to see defeated. Now, you want your villains to be three dimensional, uh, but I think they do that. I think they do it too well with Orm, where you're not sure whether you should be on his side or not. And yeah, I, I, I Orm's plan was to was to def, you know to defeat us above water because of what we've done killing all the fish with pollution but to get to get that plan achieved he has to kill a lot of fish underwater um and so i just feel like he's contradicting himself a little bit as well well in the justice league i couldn't believe it because i was re-watching a little bit of amber heard's appearance in that and i'd forgotten when he's walking along the dock after he's met Ben Affleck in that movie and he's about to jump in the sea, he literally throws a glass bottle of whiskey into the ocean, just smashes it. <laughs> and I'm like, what? What are you doing? You are you are the real villain. It looks cool, sure, but King Oram has got the right idea. The problem with Orum's this is that you can't help... It's such a confused idea to go, he's a villain because he's tossed out all the trash from the oceans and the warships. It's like... Good. Oh, right. <laughs> this is a good thing. Get rid of all the trash. Get rid of the warships. And then you're like, oh, that's bad. So like, how? Because you because you like that, don't you? You love throwing your glass bottles in there, don't you, Aquaman? Right. Um, I think that's pretty much all of the movie. <laughs> um, there is a sequel, obviously, and you make a billion dollars currently in uh, production in some capacity. Uh, they're looking at December the 16th, 2022. Um so that's happening. Uh, there was also talk of a spin-off horror movie called The Trench, which as recently as January uh, this year, people were still talking about happening uh, with The Trench Monsters. Um, and there's uh, an animated miniseries that's uh, going to be happening on uh, HBO Max. So uh, a lot going on in the world of Aquaman. Shall we do the bits? What's your best scene, Victoria? My best scene is the final fight which is on the ship thing. What is that? Between Patrick Wilson and Jason Momoa. Okay. They're having the fight. Yep. 
And the way that this fight ends, bearing in mind that Jason Momoa is late 30s and Patrick Wilson is about the same, their mum breaks it up. (laughs) (laughs) And she literally was like, boys, enough. (laughs) If you don't put that trident down, I'm going to count to three and then there's no CBBs. That's what happens. She's like, stop it. And they're like, oh, sorry, mum. Just stop fighting. That's brilliant. Yeah. Chris? I've just noticed, actually, I've I've noticed two things very quickly. Tim, where are uh, Morrison's characters called Tom Curry? Is oh. that close enough to Tim Curry? Will that do? <laughs> I feel like Alex has forgotten it. Shit, so will that do? <laughs> you should see his face. Oh, man. <laughs> He's called Tom sh- Curry. Thank you for saving my ass. Yeah, Tim Curry, Tim uh, Curry. That's complete. <laughs> Our obligatory Tim Curry reference. <laughs> This week, thank you very much. Chris. Uh, it was leading into something though. I I really love the stuff between him and Atlanta. Um, when he when when Arthur tells her he still walks to the end of the dock every day waiting for you, I think that's really beautiful. And when they're reunited at the end, um, it's OTT, but I really buy into their love for each other, and it gives the film a bit of heart and soul. And I think also he brings real dignity and humanity to that role, which is quite a small role but i think he does really great stuff there so uh that 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 them being reunited at the end of the film i think is lovely apparently asked to be in it as a request from jason momoa one of his favorite actors was uh tamira morrison so he wanted him to take the role of his dad um yeah he's great that's nice isn't it you big soppy bugger chris yeah <laughs> uh right then my best scene um i actually like the bit where the kid is in the aquarium at the start mm. i think it's a really really nice succinct piece of storytelling he's clearly the outcast at school he's on his own he's being bullied by the big nasty kids they push him up against the glass the shark comes to his rescue all the fish line up behind him visually it's great and for a minute of screen time i think it it packs a quite an emotional punch and i do admit to welling up a little bit at that point uh it made me actually want a little more of an origin story which is not something i usually find myself saying because i'm like an origin story Stop! Go on with it! But in this instance, I was like, I could have done with a bit more of him as that teenage boy growing up into an adolescent and discovering his powers at the same time. Like that whole, you know, saving his friend from drowning, maybe, and in doing so, revealing his powers and people going, oh, you're a freak and all that. I kind of wanted a bit more of that as opposed to him training to fight with a de-aged Willem Dafoe. MVW, Vicky. <laughs> Amber Heard's hair. Amber Heard's her. <laughs> Amber Heard's hair. Why do you do this to yourself? I don't know. <laughs> it's like Everybody's you've never hair said. It's amazing. <laughs> I was mesmerised by the CGI hair. Just, I'm just bending down <laughs> to pick up some notes because I actually have some notes on CGI hair that I discarded because I really didn't think we'd get onto it in this I mean, much detail, many... let alone it be an MVW. <laughs> how many notes have you got this week? Alec? All I can hear is your notes, I feel like, this week. You've been shuffling them more than ever. Are you complaining about the... Uh, <laughs> maybe if you got your ass back to the frickin' studio, then it wouldn't be an issue. But, uh, you know, this is on you, Chris. Right. Anyway, I can't find my notes. Don't worry about it. I'm not I'm not actually interested. I just... No, <laughs> I wasn't either. <laughs> Sorry. I just, You know when you do something and you think, well, that was worthless, and then I just suddenly <laughs> thought, well, actually, maybe not. Maybe a discussion about uh, the technology that ILM used to uh, animate the... No? No? Okay. okay. Chris, what's your MVW? <laughs> Two words, drumming octopus. Fair enough. Uh, uh, one, two, three, four, five. 
five words, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II as Black Manta. Uh, I literally wrote, I really like the costume. I think he's a much better villain than Patrick Wilson. And I think he gets shortchanged in the movie, again, because of this linear way that the movie works of turn up, get beaten, turn up, (laughs) get beaten, which is ridiculous. What should happen is the second time he turns up in Sicily, he actually manages to kidnap either Amber Heard or Jason Momoa and take them away and the other one has to rescue them. So you get a bit of a downbeat for a bit where you're like, oh my God, one of them's been kidnapped. Basically, think Karen Allen being kidnapped in Raiders of the Lost Ark. That beat in this would be great. So yeah, I just, I, fi- I feel sorry for him. I think he's a great villain and I think he's shortchanged. Uh, on the subject of change, nice. Chris, what's your change? I'd cut everything involving Yaya as Manta from this film. <laughs> Are you Absolutely serious? everything. Yeah, I'm dead serious. Uh, let me explain. I'm not just doing this to <laughs> go against you. Is this because of the but notes? I... <laughs> if it... Don't take this out on Yaya if it's about my notes. I love that actor. He is. He um, did a performance as one of my favourite villains of the last few years. It was on Netflix show called The Get Down. And he played this disco dancing gangster. And he was awesome and terrifying in equal measure and he's going to be a great villain sooner or later he's in the new Candyman film maybe that's it but i think he's completely wasted here and i think the character's ridiculous and i spent i think they spent half the film setting him up to be the future um villain you know and he's the post credit scene as well to be in the next one so i would get rid of him and really focus on arthur and orm because brothers at war is is the being heart of this film and it's I don't think they spend enough time on it. It's so much more emotive. It's so much more interesting. And so focus on that. Make the film half an hour shorter and and give a lot of that Manta stuff to Orm. Okay. Okay. Uh, Disagree, but okay. Uh, Victoria? So um, Willem Dafoe says to Jason Momoa, you have to become the king because you have to prevent... uh, I don't think he says fish war, but we all know what I'm saying when I say fish war. Mm. I would like to see a fish war. Because I think a fish war sounds like a lot of fun. So what you'd have for me is things marching out of the shore onto different beaches. So you could do a montage to mm. be on, like just to get it done. So an idyllic beach, maybe like Seychelles, and you've got like honeymooning couples, and they're just like fucking chucking margaritas and pineapples back at these things. And then an urban beach like San Sebastian, and then people just like pinchos and whatever else they can get hold of. And then the fucking then like the lads in Zanti or whatever and they come up there and it's like a stag do a British stag do and they're like yeah and then like get the dolphins and then it's Blackpool Beach and they like turn around again and fuck up back to the sea <laughs> that's what I think should happen well no? uh, based on how scared I am now from uh, that series of uh, wonderful uh, vignettes you just acted out for me I'm going with Vicky's change uh, as my own change uh, <laughs> I also went too early on mine about Black Manta kidnapping one of them. But there you go. Great stuff. Well, uh, that is the end of Aquaman. It's time to see whether Waterworld or Aquaman is our winner this week. It is time for The Verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! Right then. Uh, these were your choices, Victoria. Oh, yeah. Of course they were. Um, so <laughs> what do I do Good. now? That's <laughs> yeah. So what? <laughs> Who am I saying? Who should it be? Me? That it's not me that goes first, is no. it? It's, it's me that goes last. Is yeah. that right? Right, you go first, then, Alex. Okay. 
so, uh, my verdict uh, this week, uh, Water Wilderman and the Aquaman today, is uh, largely influenced by my experiences at Universal Studios Hollywood, a place <laughs> I've visited many times. <laughs> There's plenty to do and see at Universal Studios. <laughs> Tickets are reasonably priced. And children under five get in for free. Universal Studios Hollywood is also where Waterworld, a seawall spectacular, takes place five times a day. Performances last 20 minutes. Uh, genuinely, uh, I was doing a long-winded way of talking about the real action in Waterworld, the practical effects, its it might just be me. I get goosebumps over that. I've Actually, I've said it before numerous times. Really impressive action gives me goosebumps. And there are moments in Waterworld, the atoll attack, the bit where the plane is wrapping a wire around the mast of the mariner's ship. Moments like that, I, I, I'm just like, they actually did that. The danger involved in that and the fact that you can see it and you know it's real and tangible and it's i i love it i love actual practical effects in action movies and for no other reason uh, than that really uh, Waterworld is my winner this week and chris oh i found it really hard this week uh not necessarily for positive reasons <laughs> but i think I didn't really talk, we didn't really talk about this during Aquaman, but it does feel like a combination of stuff that was done better in other superhero movies, with Orm being a bit like Killmonger, Aquaman, the outcast brother, a bit like Loki, Atlanta, the mum that goes missing like an Ant-Man. Um, but I also like, and I like action when it's tied to something emotional. So while that action in Aquaman, in Waterworld rather, is impressive, as I said on that episode, I'm not emotionally involved because Costner never seems to be emotionally involved himself. He's a dull hero, whereas Aquaman has more fun with, with that underwater setting and Momo is a much more likeable hero. Plus it has an octopus playing drums. Mm -hmm. So while it's slim pickings this week, I'm going for a film rather than a live show at Universal. Studios so I'm, I'm all in with Aquaman. <laughs> okay, whoa, one each. Aquaman with one. Waterworld with one. You're squirming, Victoria. Yeah, because I agree with everything Chris said. Um, like, Jason Momoa is so much more engaging than Kevin... And I love Kevin Costner, obviously. Um, but he's really difficult to like. Really, really, really difficult. But when you're watching it, it's such a spectacle, a genuine spectacle, because they did do those things. So I'm going to pick Waterworld mm. for that reason. Don't spit your Sam Pellegrino everywhere. It's just a plastic <laughs> bottle. I filled it from a tap. Um, <laughs> Fantastic! There you go. Waterworld has won this week as I finish my tap water. Uh, <laughs> congratulations uh, to Waterworld. Um, Are you not going to change your choice, Alex? You sometimes do that, don't you? I know I flip-flopped once, Chris, and I know you'll never <laughs> let me forget it. But no, I'm staying with Waterworld and I'm pleased it's won. Although, you know, I, I can see where you were coming from, Chris, and I do appreciate the fact that you It's like nice... It's nice that Waterworld won on its birthday, considering it's considered a villain, that film, and it really was a hero. So, And, and Aquaman's fine because it made a billion dollars. So, You need to get back to the studio because you're missing out on some lovely eye rolls when you mention a movie's birthday from Victoria. <laughs> right. Um, it's my turn to pick some bloody movies next week. Uh, the clue I gave you on Monday's episode was East meets West. In the 80s. 
So, for next week's episodes. Oh, you, uh, it looks like you might want to guess. No, I've, I don't. I've, I've forgotten that we can see each other now, Victoria. <laughs> so. No, because it doesn't make any sense. But then I was thinking, just because of the 80s, and I was thinking coming to America, but... That... Mm. Oh, have I guessed it? No, no. <laughs> you haven't, but that's... Uh, that. It's weirdly, weirdly close in one way. Okay. That's, that's the only guess I've got. Chris? No, go for it. So, Victoria, next week on the show, uh, you are doing a movie uh, which features the star of Coming to America. You are doing The Golden Child. <gasps> oh, my God! Do you know how many times I've seen that film? No. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so weird. Right, really quickly, and obviously we'll talk about this next week. There was, like, three VHS tapes that my granddad had, and one of them was The Golden Child, and there was just, like, nothing else. So I've seen that film more than 20 times. <laughs> I love that <laughs> film. <laughs> Well, you can expect some gold about the gold unchild from Victoria next week. Christopher, do you know what you've got? Am I doing something from 1986? Yes, you are, Christopher. What do you oh. think you're doing? Big Trouble in Little China? You yeah. are doing Big Trouble in Little China! <laughs> Excellent. So that is Excellent. next week's show's Big Trouble in Little China versus The Golden Child. Uh, do your homework and we will be back on Monday to talk about those. Please do subscribe to us, rate and review us. And thank you for listening, Clash Potters. Back on Monday. Well done, Waterworld. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production.